0: Welcome to Line B, Use Tools and Equipment by Camosun College. Used under CC by. The Trade's Access Common Core resources are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. The materials in these learning guides are for use by students and instructional staff and have been compiled from sources believed to be reliable and to represent best current knowledge on these subjects. These audio resources are intended to serve as a starting point for good practices and may not specify all minimum legal standards. No warranty, guarantee, or representation is made by the BC Piping Trades Articulation Committee, the British Columbia Industry Training Authority, BC Campus, or the Queen's Printer of British Columbia as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information contained in these publications. These audio resources are intended to provide basic guidelines for piping trades practices. Do not assume, therefore, that all necessary warnings and safety precautionary measures are contained in this publication and that other or additional measures may not be required. To learn more about BC Campus Open Education, visit www.open.bccampus.ca.
1: Use Welding Equipment Section 1 Describe Safety Requirements and Precautions for Arc Welding Safety Rules for Operating Electric Welding Machines The greatest electrical hazard for welders is from their electric welding machines. For this reason, every time you work with these machines, you must follow all the standard safety precautions. All switches must be clearly marked, all tools and equipment must be properly grounded, and metal ladders must be nowhere near any source of electrical power. Maintenance of equipment. The welder who is about to use a machine is responsible for ensuring that the welding machine is in a safe operating condition. The wiring, switches, controls, and cables must all be thoroughly checked before use, and preventative maintenance, such as internal cleaning and lubrication, must be carried out at regular intervals. In most welding shops, the power supply for arc welding equipment is 230 volt, 460 volt, or 575 volt. These are high voltages that can easily deliver severe or fatal shocks. When performing any internal preventative maintenance work on electric welding equipment, observe the following rules. 1. All troubleshooting and maintenance of welding machines must be done only on dead circuits. Make sure that the main power supply disconnect switch is open and locked out. 2. All work on main power lines, junction boxes, and fuses may only be carried out by a qualified electrician, in accordance with the requirements of the Canadian Electrical Code. As a welder, your maintenance responsibilities end with your welding machine. Power circuit ground. When you connect an electric welding machine to its main power source, it is extremely important to ensure the main power circuit is properly grounded. Without proper grounding, any stray current that develops could give you or another welder a severe or even fatal shock. If you have one hand on an adequately grounded machine in which a current is flowing, and accidentally touch a grounded metal object such as a switch box, you become part of the electric circuit. The resulting electric shock could be fatal. Welding cables. The cables on a welding machine should be checked every time the machine is used. You should never use electric current that exceeds the rate of capacity of the welding cables on your machine. This is uneconomical, but more importantly, It causes overheating and rapid deterioration of the insulation. Faulty insulation is a hazard. If exposed sections of cable come in contact with any grounded metal object in the welding circuit, they could create an arc, which could in turn ignite any flammable materials in the area. Make inspection of the cables a standard part of your inspection of welding equipment prior to use. If the cables are in good condition, you can use them. In other cases, 1 be sure the main power source is disconnected and locked out. Two, if there are surface cracks in the insulation, repair them with electrical tape before starting the machine. Three, if there are breaks in the insulation that expose any wire, do not try to repair it. Replace the cable with one that is in good condition. Fire prevention. The electrical welding process, such as shielded metal arc welding, SMAW, pose a great, a fire hazard as the oxy-fuel welding processes. Observe the following points. One, housekeeping. Ensure that your workplace is as free as possible of combustible materials before you begin to weld. Two, if flammable materials cannot be removed from the work area, be sure they are protected adequately from sparks and slag before you start to weld. Use welding blankets. Three, do not weld anywhere near containers of flammable liquids. Four, Know the locations and type of fire extinguishers in your immediate work area and their operating procedures. Eye protection for the electrical welding process When you weld using an electrical process such as SMA, you must take extreme care to protect your eyes. The infrared and ultraviolet rays that are the products of the arc welding process can cause serious and sometimes permanent injury to your eyes. The burn that results from the exposure of inadequately protected eyes to the welding arc is known as arc flash. Even a one-second exposure at a distance of 0.5 meters or 20 inches is enough to burn the eyes. Never look at an arc with the naked eye. If you receive an arc flash, immediately report it to your instructor. WCBE stipulates a minimum distance of 12 meters or 40 feet between the arc and the naked eye. Helmets To protect your eyes, face, and neck during arc welding, you must wear a helmet or use a hand shield equipped with a dark filter lens. These lenses come in a range of different shades, each with a different number. Your choice of lens depends on the level of current you are using, since this determines the intensity of the arc. Figure 2 lists lens shade numbers recommended for different current settings. These are suggestions only. The sensitivity of your eyes may require that you use a darker lens. If your eyesight requires them, use wide-vision or clear magnifying lenses. These special lenses fit behind your filter lens. Always check the shaded lens in your face shield or helmet before you start to weld to make sure it is not cracked or broken. If it is cracked or chipped, replace it immediately. If you are in a shop where arc welding is being done, wear flash goggles as protection from arc flash. Similarly, if you are welding near another welder, Wear flash goggles in addition to a helmet or face shield to avoid the risk of arc flash anytime your helmet is raised. Arc burn. The infrared and ultraviolet radiation that occurs with arc welding can cause damage to improperly protected eyes and cause severe burns to your body. For this reason, you must wear the proper protective clothing and equipment when using the small process. The amount of protective clothing you require depends on how much welding you are doing and on the welding positions you use. At the very least, when you are performing sma, all parts of your body must be covered. Use a flame-resistant leather jacket, aprons and sleeves, and for some jobs, leggings and anklets. Your standard protective clothing for arc welding must also include a peaked cap, leather gloves, and safety boots. For arc welding of any kind, your clothing should be dark to reduce the reflection of the arc. If you suffer burns as a result of arc welding, see your doctor at once. Hearing Protection In a welding shop or on a construction site, the noise from weld cleaning, chipping, grinding, and hammering, as well as from welding machines and power tools can cause hearing damage. The signs of hearing damage can be a constant ringing in the ears, hearing loss, temporary deafness, and and the extreme permanent deafness. Hearing loss may occur so gradually that you may not be aware it is happening. You need protection from both steady state and impact noise. In any shop or on any job site where the general or steady state noise exceeds 90 decibels or where the impact noise levels are in excess of the maximum indicated by the regulation, you should wear Canadian Standards Association, CSA-approved earplugs or earmuffs. Hearing protection devices are rated A, B, and C to indicate the noise levels for which they are effective. Hearing protection devices can be rubberized earplugs that are inserted into the cavity of the ear or earmuffs, which fit over the ear. When selecting hearing protection devices, make sure that they are CSA approved. Earplugs should be clean, pliable, and well-fitting, and earmuffs should be adjusted to fit snugly over your ears. Neither headphones used with music systems nor cotton stuffed into your ears will give you adequate protection from noise. Fire and explosion prevention. Flammable hazards. The flammable materials include acetylene, naphtha, turpentine, and gasoline. When concentrations of fumes from flammable liquids are present, there is a great risk to these fumes being ignited by contact with an open flame or spark. The symbol shown in Figure 4 should be located on all containers used for flammable materials. Flying Sparks One of the major fire hazard is flying sparks. Unlike flame, the effects of which are confined to the immediate area of the work, Sparks travel fast and far. A spark can travel over nine meters or 30 feet and hold its heat several seconds after landing. Sparks can lodge themselves in cracks and start smoldering fires that may not burst into flames until after you have left the area. Never weld where sparks may come into contact with flammable vapors, liquids, or materials. Sweep floors clean and if they are wood, wet them down before you light the torch. If there is a possibility that sparks might pass through cracks in walls or floors, cover the holes or move the work. If you can move your work, set it up in an area that is free from flammable materials. If you cannot move the work, move the flammable material to another area. If neither the work nor the flammable material can be moved, use sheet metal or fireproof guards to keep sparks close within the area of your work. Set pans of water or sand where they will catch dripping slag and pieces of hot metal that might fall. After you set up the sheet metal or asbestos guards, have someone check to see if sparks are flying over or around them. When you change the direction of flame toward the work, the direction and range of sparks may change. Make periodic checks to see that you are providing enough protection in the right places. Fire Watchers Welding and cutting operations should be carried out in areas free from combustible materials. When work must be done near flammable material, the National Fire Protection Association, NFPA, states that you must have a designated fire watcher. The NFPA also requires the following. Fire watchers shall have fire extinguishing equipment readily available and be trained in its use, including practice on test fires. Fire watchers shall be familiar with facilities and procedures for sounding an alarm in the event of a fire. Fire watchers shall watch for fires in all exposed areas and try to extinguish them only if the fire is obviously within the capacity of the equipment available. If it is not, the fire watcher shall sound the alarm immediately. A fire watch shall be maintained for at least half an hour after completion of cutting or welding operations to detect and extinguish possible smoldering fires. Compressed gas cylinders. The most common sources of explosive hazards in welding shops are the compressed acetylene and oxygen cylinders used in the oxy-fuel processes. The contents of these cylinders must always be identified on the cylinder. The cylinders must be handled correctly in accordance with regulations, and they must, if possible, be stored in an upright position. The symbol indicating an explosive hazard is shown in figure five, and should be located on all containers or materials that are explosive. Containers that previously held flammable material, If containers have previously held flammable materials, welding or cutting them could cause an explosion. Certain preparatory methods for cleaning and purging must be used before welding or cutting is attempted. One method for removing flammable materials is to steam or boil the container in a caustic solution, a method that is usually too slow, costly, and uncertain for commercial work. It may entail days or weeks of processing Since lap seams, laminations in the plate of the vessel or open roots or welds made from both sides may contain pockets of combustibles that are difficult and time-consuming to remove. A second and less expensive method is to fill the container with water. The water displaces the air in the container so that an explosion cannot be supported. The container is filled to overflowing, then water is removed to a level just below the hole to be repaired. The air in the container is then checked with the gas detector to ensure that no explosive vapors remain. There must be a vent hole in the container that is large enough to allow the vapors to escape. Sometimes it will be impossible to leave the vent open, particularly for containers that are positioned on their side. In cases such as these, you have to make sure the hole to be welded is large enough to act as a vent. Purging is a third method to rid containers of flammable gases. The container is completely filled with an inert gas such as nitrogen, argon, or helium, which does not explode. These gases displace the air or oxygen, which is explosive. When using this method, you must know whether your purging gas is heavier or lighter than air. If the purging gas is argon, which is heavier than air, you must fill the container from the bottom. If the purging gas is nitrogen or helium, which is lighter than air, you must fill the container from the top. A vent must be left open to allow the air to escape. Enough purging gas must be used to remove all the air. The procedure should be done in an area free of drafts or wind that would tend to disperse the purging gas. This method is expensive for ordinary use, but for jobs such as the purging of acetylene manifold systems, This is the best suited method since no moisture or heat is involved. Steaming is the fourth and most common method of making containers safe for welding or cutting. This process consists of opening all vents and blowing in live steam under pressure until all dangerous traces of combustibles are gone. The container must be welded while it is still hot and full of steam. After cooling begins, the air has been drawn into the container, it is no longer safe to weld or flame cut. The length of steaming time depends on the size and pressure of the steam line, the size of the container, and the container's previous contents. As an extra safety precaution, the container can be filled with inert gas after it has been steam cleaned. Before you begin to weld or flame cut after cleaning or purging the container, you should always test the container using an explosive vapor detector. Toxic hazards include the fumes or airborne particles present during welding or produced as a byproduct of welding. The symbol used on containers of toxic materials is shown in Figure 9. The following toxic materials are most commonly associated with the welding process. Asbestos. Asbestos is used as insulation for pipes. It is one of the most toxic materials you will encounter. It can cause the disease asbestosis as well as lung cancer. Beryllium. Beryllium is used in plating. Inhalation of beryllium fumes can cause coughing, inflammation of the lungs, breathing difficulty, fatigue, weight loss, and heart disease after long exposure. Cadmium. Cadmium is alloyed with silver or brass and is used in silver brazing alloys, plating, or paint coating on some electrodes. Cadmium-coated metals may look like galvanized metals. Exposure to cadmium fumes produces breathing difficulty, weakness, general unwell feeling, lack of appetite, nausea, metallic taste, chest pain, cough, and decrease in urine output after long exposure. It may also cause rapid death from respiratory failure. Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is sometimes used as a shielding gas during welding processes. In confined areas, excessive amounts of carbon dioxide can lead to suffocation. Carbon dioxide can also break down into carbon monoxide in poorly ventilated areas. Carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide is a byproduct of welding with a shielding gas. It is also emitted by gasoline powered welding machines. Carbon monoxide is colorless and odorless, so it is almost impossible to detect without testing. Since it is lighter than air, it will rise. Early symptoms of exposure to carbon monoxide are headache, mental dullness and dizziness, unconsciousness, and death by suffocation follow. Carbon tetrachlorine or trichloroethylene Carbon tetrachlorine and trichloethylene are commonly used as degreasing agents. Prolonged exposures to fumes can result in abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, and confusion, leading to unconsciousness. A slow regular pulse and falling blood pressure may develop, and with long-term exposure, and jaundice and a decrease in urine output may occur. Chlorine Chlorine is used extensively in the wood pulp industry and in water and sewage treatment plants. It collects at floor level. Exposures to low concentrations of chlorine causes a burning sensation in eyes, nose, and throat, and sometimes headaches. Higher concentrations cause eye and throat irritation, restlessness, nausea, choking, vomiting, chest pain, and fluid in the lungs. Death from suffocation can occur. Skin or eye contact with chlorine liquid or vapor causes severe local irritation and burns. Chlorine is an especially dangerous substance. While by itself it is neither explosive nor flammable, it will support combustion. When in contact with certain concentrations of water, chlorine gas becomes explosive if ignited. When combined with hydrocarbons or nitrogen-containing compounds, chlorine may either explode or burn. Cyanide. Cyanide is used for hardening some metals. It has a wide range of harmful effects from fairly mild allergic reactions to reactions that cause death. Fluoride. Fluoride is found in fluxes used in welding and brazing stainless steel, nickel, aluminum, and magnesium. It is also used as a covering for stainless steel and low hydrogen electrodes. Exposure can cause coughing, acute bronchitis, and breathing difficulty. Absorption of fluoride compounds through the lungs, stomach, or eyes can produce fluorosis, a change in bone structure. Lead Lead is found in pipes, paint, electrodes, solders, and in sheet form. When lead fumes are inhaled, the lead accumulates in the body's organs and bones. Early symptoms of lead poisoning are a blue lead line on the gums, a metallic taste in the mouth, diarrhea, vomiting, and nausea. Long-term effects include central nervous system damage, dementia, and anemia. Manganese Manganese is a common deoxidizer and strengthener in steel. Inhaling manganese fumes can cause coughing, acute bronchitis, fever, headache, muscle pain, chills, dryness of the mouth, and throat, dermatitis, and liver enlargement. Mercury Mercury is found in plating or in paint. It can cause abdominal pain, excessive salivation, a metallic taste, diarrhea, coughing, and a decrease in urine output. Nitrous gases. Nitrous gases are generated by the arc or by the flame in welding processes. Inhalation can lead to breathing difficulty and rapid fluid buildup in the lungs 6 to 24 hours after exposure. Nitrous fumes may be brown or colorless and are characterized by a sweetish odor. Phogene. Phogene gas is produced when carbon tetrachloride or tetrachloroethylene is heated to extreme temperatures or exposed to ultraviolet rays. Exposure produces breathing difficulty, a burning sensation in the throat, tightness in the chest, and rapid inflammation of fluid buildup in the lungs. Death caused by respiratory and circulatory failure can result. Ozone Ozone is produced by the arc and the ultraviolet rays in the electrical welding processes. It causes irritation of the eyes, nose, and throat. Teflon Teflon is found in pipe linings and tap valve seals. It breaks down at 390 degrees Celsius or 728 degrees Fahrenheit to produce highly toxic gas. The symptoms of Teflon poisoning are a general unwell feeling, weakness, numbness, tingling in arms and fingers, throat pain, and breathing difficulty. Zinc. Zinc is found in galvanized plating and as a component in brass. Zinc chloride is used as flux. Zinc fever, or metal fume fever, is caused by zinc fumes released from the metal in enclosed spaces without good ventilation. The symptoms include headache, chills, and fever chest tightness, and a severely upset stomach. There are usually no serious long-term complications. The fumes produced while welding other metals such as aluminum, chromium, copper, iron, nickel, titanium, and vanadium are not toxic in the concentrations usually produced during the welding process. In larger concentrations, they may become harmful. Ventilation Adequate ventilation must be provided when toxic fumes from materials such as lead, zinc, cadmium, beryllium, and teflon are present in harmful concentrations. Ensure that booths or welding screens do not hinder air movement needed for ventilation. Welding booths require a minimum air movement of 30 meters 100 feet, per minute. Although many cases can be identified by their smell, you can never totally rely on your sense of smell. Deadly hydrogen sulfide, for example, is easily recognized by its odour of rotten eggs at low concentrations, but in higher concentrations it becomes odourless. The only reliable method of detecting dangerous gases is to use special detection equipment. These detectors test the air for the presence of explosive vapors and are commonly called explosimeters. Other types of detectors are designed to test the air for the presence of toxic gases such as chlorine or hydrogen sulfide. Working in confined areas. Welding or cutting in confined areas such as tanks, boilers, pressure vessels, vaults, and holds of ships require special attention to safety. The following special precautions are necessary for working in confined areas. Check air upon entering. Ensure adequate ventilation, especially when using low hydrogen or stainless steel electrodes. Never use oxygen. Keep cylinders outside the confined area. Have a helper outside with a lifeline if necessary. Pay special attention to leaks. Light your welding or cutting torches outside and have them handed in if possible. Never take welding or cutting torches inside until pressures have been regulated. Do not keep torches inside the confined area for any length of time. Check for harmful concentrations of ozone during inert gas welding. Check for explosive vapors that may be present or produced by the welding. Wear appropriate respiratory protective equipment if necessary. Never enter a confined area to rescue personnel overcome by fumes or lack of oxygen without summoning help first. Make sure you wear the appropriate breathing apparatus if you do enter. Respiratory protective equipment. Respirators can provide protection against toxic fumes. There are three types of respirators that you may be required to use. The inline respirator draws air from a line, fresh air source. A filter in the supply line removes pipe scale, water, oil, mist, and nauseous vapors. A pressure reducing valve prevents the pressure of the air from exceeding 170 kilopascals or 25 PSI. Airline respirators must be worn during welding or flame-cutting operations done either in the presence of toxic fumes or in confined spaces where oxygen levels in the air are inadequate. Typical operations of this kind include the repair of leaks in pipes or tanks containing toxic chemicals or repair work to the inside of large tanks or vessels. A second type of respirator used for similar operations is the self-contained breathing apparatus, SCBA. Rather than using air from a fresh outside source, this unit draws air from an oxygen cylinder strapped to the worker's back. The cartridge type respirator is used only for emergency escape. The cartridge in the respirator is able to neutralize the toxic gases for a very short time, allowing you just enough time to get out of the area. In work settings where there is a danger of toxic gas leaks, workers carry this type of respirator on their person at all times. Cartridges are available for different gases and most types of cartridge provide protection against a range of gases. Employees required to wear respirators should keep their equipment clean and sterilized. When not in use, the equipment should be stored in closed containers. Equipment should be inspected regularly for wear or damage. A program should be set up to control the selection, fitting, testing, and maintenance of the equipment.